The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest host this evening, Ed Lucy. And before I introduce my guests, I would just, since this is the beginning of the new year, I would just like to extend to those people whom I haven't seen since the holiday started that uh, I personally hope that they had an enjoyable Christmas and a New Year's and then they can look forward to a healthy and prosperous New Year, particularly the healthy part. But my guest this evening, uh, so far I might have two guests, but currently I have a guest, Kevin Alkins. Uh, for those of you who don't recognize Kevin, which would be unusual, uh, he is the dog control, animal control officer for the city of Marlin. Correct. And how long have you been doing that, Kevin? I'm in my 24th year now. 24th year. And when you first started back, was it still called that title? I just transformed from uh, dog officer to animal control officer. Yeah, that's interesting because um, when when uh, in more recent times, like you said, that the title uh, expands on the job, but maybe maybe really you were doing the same thing then as you're doing now, except that there's a title change, but it makes more maybe more sense that it explains in uh, the broader title what the job entails. Basically, to maybe give us a quick background if you could, uh, the kinds of things that you get involved in on a routine basis, or maybe the ones that are important or the exceptional ones. Well, the, the, uh, n namely, you know, domestic animals, cats, dogs, the enforcement of the laws and regulations. But uh, it's really uh, has expanded to uh, the handling of some kinds of wildlife, educating residents on wildlife prevention with conflicts with them. Uh, uh, deceased animals, we do get those now and then. However, we partner with our Department of Public Works. So if it's, a, an inj if it's a deceased dog or cat on a public way, uh, that'll fall under me. If it's a wildlife, it'll fall under them. The main reason being is the dog or cat in question could belong to somebody, and if there's a way to identify it, we want to at least let them know that it was their pet. The um, one of the things that uh, I saw again, and it was a kind of a repeat. There, there was an incident in which I thought occurred in Everett. It was on the news last night, which indicated it was a Marlin situation involving a, a someone that had sixteen dogs in the house. And you happened to be on TV when I happened to see it the first time. Correct. Was it Marlin or Everett? Yeah, that was Marlin um, on the west end of town. Um, it's an ongoing court case, so uh, we, we, but there were actually 19 dogs in at the time. That was an animal investigation run by the Animal Rescue League of Boston in conjunction with our police department, uh, and that had been ongoing for over a year 
that it had been investigated. At different times, we were kind of misled on things, but it finally came to a uh, fruition that we had to make our move and uh, through the court system, got a search warrant, went into the home and recovered all the animals and they're all making a full recovery right now. Now, uh, was that like neighbor complaints or was that the... Neighbor complaints, neighbors witnessing certain activity, um, uh, just reports in general. Uh, we had visited the home a couple different times where at, at some times there weren't as, as many dogs as thought. Uh, the person in question maintained that she had three, but it often, quite obvious she had quite a bit more than three. Now, did she live there alone? Um, I believe so, yes. Yeah. And, um, but the dogs, um, f that's another thing. Sometimes because of the, that type of situation, it ends up the animals being non attended to truthfully they are, uh, and they end up with medical issues in some instances uh, this doesn't seem to have been the case that they end up they can't save the dog because it's too late but, and maybe sometimes there's dead animals in the house yeah well, uh, luckily we didn't find any yeah. of that but the good news is all the animals are transported to the Animal Rescue League of Boston Dedham location which is a brand new uh, facility where they got round the clock vet care and uh, the bills were piling and it's my understanding that the donations came in quite good for the Animal Rescue League, which is good because all that money went to the care of those dogs. Now, in a situation like that, would be the, who would be responsible for the bills themselves if, if, it, if it pursued through a court process or some sort of a legal situation? We haven't encountered that. Nine times out of ten, there's, there's different animal charities, but if you're speaking of an owner... The owner could be held accountable for any kind of medical attention. If we went to a, a regular vet, uh, it would be on the owner. Same instance if your pet was struck by a car, you were identified, and we identified you with the dog, you would assume responsibility right. for, that, yeah. for that payment. Do you have many situations where there's injured animals and then, then it's difficult to locate the owners? Um, very few, but we do have plans in place if that should happen. Um, we did have one, um, there was a new story over the summertime, uh, which was Bailey, which was a dog that was found on the bike path that weighed about a pound and a half when we found him. And uh, it was in extreme heat conditions. We rushed him to a vet facility. And through a state fund, there was money available to help him and pay his vet bill. And again, he was lucky he made it and has since been adopted. Yeah. I was thinking with the, you were talking about adopting those dogs that were with that the situation uh, in Malden. Um, some ages of those dogs, that would probably preclude them maybe from getting a home after that. If, if Most they, of them were pretty young. There was a couple ones that were older. But again, now what will happen with those dogs, they'll become the property of the Animal Rescue League. And they probably won't even be ready for adoption until sometime like April or May. You, yeah, you, right. had, you had indicated it would be several right. months before. Oh, it, yeah, it, several yeah, months because they got to nurse them back to health. But the key is you, you would have to apply to them, be investigated through them. And it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty ringent to, uh, yeah. to fill out the application. Now, do you have uh, uh, situations where you have um, people who, who have animals, or more specifically dogs, and they don't have them? registered with the city 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, you know, to get an exact number on it. We try to do our best. Usually what we do is every time we go to a call, if we find out that a dog is not registered, we have the people go register them. Uh, nine times out of ten, they do that. Um, if not, after follow-up that they find out that they do not do that, they're open to a violation. Yeah. But it's required by law to have your dog license. But that's a dog, but not cats. No, cats aren't required to have any license. And how about, like, people kill it? It seems to be a trend today of uh, people have attraction to snakes. Yeah, there's, there's permits, uh, licensing for exotic animals, but nine times out of ten, the, the ones that people get aren't allowed by law, and when they are usually... Uh, uh, approached by us, environmental police or whatever animal rescue, they, they end up forfeiting the animal because they're not supposed to yeah, have it. Yeah, we have a second guest who is now uh, going to be t- explain a little bit about uh, uh, Linda. Yes. Hi. Yes. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate you being here. Um, we're talking about dogs mostly at this point, but you, you in, you're involved. Could you identify uh, your... I am a licensed wildlife rehabilitator. We are licensed that if an animal is injured or orphaned, we can take care of it with the end being a release back into the wild. Oh, into the wild. Yes, we, we, re, we chirp, rehabilitate them, raise them if they're orphans, if they're injured, we take care of their injuries. And once that is done, then we return them back. And um, what range of animals? Are they all four-legged? Um, most of them are four-legged. Yeah. I have been um, putting a lot of hours in on hawk rescue. I am also with Capian Wildlife, who does a lot of bird and um, raptor rehabilitation so I have put in a lot of volunteer hours and I will be hopefully getting that license within a limited right. period of time now, now you mentioned birds is it like owls is that more owls so. hawks falcons uh, the reason I mentioned uh, <laughs> there was a blurb this morning I think on TV about some police situation not more than that uh, they rescued a, a, a baby owl and I don't. I didn't get the whole story, but I, if it's the same one I saw, they did say a baby owl. It, I'm not sure it was a baby. It's not baby season, yeah. but some of the owls are very tiny. Yeah. So a lot of people think they're babies. You know, you have the sawwet owls, yeah. the screech owls. They're very tiny. So, um, uh, where would be the source of your uh, involved with wild animals? Would that be? Uh, people bring them to you or you get notified of it or you yes uh, in many ways i am listed publicly on mass wildlife so if someone finds something they need help they go on to mass wildlife page uh, masswildlife.org and find a wildlife rehabilitator we're all listed there uh-huh. and what we do i do a lot of squirrels chipmunks that type right now as possums I, I do some possums, yes. But we don't do everything all the time, but we can help facilitate them to the proper rehabber. Um, I've done a lot of raccoons, but because of the way my setup is now, I don't actually raise uh, baby raccoons anymore, but I will make sure they do get to the proper licensed person for that. 
Now, do you have some source where you house them while you're doing what yes, you have to I do? Yes, I yeah. do. I have a very large uh, pre-release for the squirrels, and it's outside, and they all have nest boxes. They need to make their nests, their nests before they can leave. Um, they need to find their food. That'll hide some food in there for them. They need to be able to climb and jump from branch to branch, so it's uh, quite the thing. I also have another uh, uh pre-release cage that would be for raccoons. I have several different uh, setups, depends on the animal. Now, we can't all do everything. It is, uh, you have to have specialized settings for many of these animals. So we try and give them, uh, triage them, stabilize them for transport, and then we find where they should be uh, based on the injury or what's wrong with them. Yeah, I, I touched on it with Kevin about what uh, snakes. Do you deal with snakes as well? One thing about, uh, I don't rehabilitate snakes, but I know people who do. Uh, we do get a lot of calls from people that say, I don't like snakes. Come and get it out of my yard. No, they belong there. If you don't want it in there, if you make some noise around them, if you disturb them, they're going to they're gonna just move. But we can't remove wildlife from any private property because they don't want them there. Well, that that would, the situation you just mentioned would be, that would be not a pet, but just some animal that came on the premise. That's correct. I see. Yeah, yeah. Thinking like garden snakes and things like that. Yeah, yeah. but they're not that large. Right? No, they're no. Small. Right. But yeah. some people are petrified. We had a case a couple of years ago, and mm -hmm. she was just insisting you come and get this out of our yard. Basically, you can take a little pebble and toss it near it. It'll it'll say whoa, and it'll leave. Yeah. It, it doesn't want most wildlife will leave if you make noise, and make it on uh, you know want, want it to leave. Now, uh, is Marlin getting much of a, a, a presence of coyotes? Well, that's that's probably one of the big reasons we wanted to do this <laughs> show. So every day especially sometimes three, four times a day, you're going to get a call, somebody saw a coyote. It could be any time during the day, but we, we do notice them in certain areas of the city, mostly the cemetery areas, wooded areas. But this is a, a, a fact in every city and town in the state. Malden is not alone in this. Surrounding cities and towns, I'm sure you might have heard about what was going on over in the Hunt where they wanted to dispatch the animals. It's my understanding that they have since backed that off a little bit. So what we're gonna do here is what we used to do several years back, we're gonna host what we call the Living with Coyote Forum, which is gonna be held uh, at City Hall Council Chambers on January 26th at 6.30. It's open to any resident that wants to attend and non-residents, we're encouraging the school parents, anybody with an interest in this topic who maybe have encountered them, see them, have concerns about them to come. Because uh, Charles Bird from Mass Wildlife, who's a biologist from Mass Wildlife, is gonna be there to make her presentation, questions and answers, I'll be there, Linda will be there. And, and it's, it's really, from the education point, we feel that if we do enough of this, it's gonna maybe put people at ease a little bit. There are some people that think that uh, we can just approach them, pick them up, and drop them off somewhere else. That's not how it works. And number one, it's illegal. You can't do that. 
we are governed by Mass Wildlife regulations on this matter. So it's kind of it's kind of touchy, and I, I I get the frustration with people, and this is why we want to do this because it will give them a better sense and understanding of what they're dealing with. Yeah, yeah no, um, but you, I would think the the raccoon situation would be, or the coyotes, let's stay, start, mm -hmm. stay with them for a moment, they would more likely be in wooded areas or a less populated part of the city because, uh, uh, it, but is that necessarily the case or they just could be anywhere? No, and, and, and you know, Linda will, will ring in this too, is I mean, where there's food, is where they're gonna go. That's uh, Kevin McCarthy <laughs> calling me to see if I get him any votes to be uh, Speaker of the House, but he'll have to wait for. Uh, <laughs> um, the the frust the frustrating thing for us uh, working in this field is that people feed these animals when uh, it's really not necessary. They don't need our help to survive. And when you habituate these animals to the point that they're coming to your property knowing you're going to feed them, well, that starts to create the problem. Well, they have those uh, uh, animals or the craziest people kind of shows on television. And they, there's signs that say, do not feed the animals. And they have giraffes and bears and all other sorts of uh, creatures that they go into to a zoo, let's say. And they, they have the people, adults, not just kids, adults, reaching in and getting their hand grabbed, and they say, well, the sign says don't feed the animals. No, but it's particularly true with people. They think they're doing the animals a favor when they throw the rubbish outside, let them eat it rather than put it in the, in the, in the disposal. And can I mention something on that sure. back, too? Um, and it's not just you think you're helping them feed them. Animals have <coughs> dietary needs based on the season, based on the species. We feed them they're going to eat that, but it's not nutritionally sound for them. They know what they need to eat, and they're able to procure that. They go in the woods, they hunt, that's what they do. Um, by feeding them, you're not helping them at all because... You're enabling them. You are enabling <laughs> them, yes. And it's not We the do proper, that to people sometimes. And it's not the proper nutrition. They, yeah. they can suffer their bones, their, their, their muscles... They need certain nutrients. They know what they need. Let them feed themselves. They're much better off. And like Evan said, they are habituated that way, and they expect you to give them food. And if you go out with food in your hands and you don't get it to them, that's when they get a little more aggressive. They want that food. And never feed Never feed them. And, you know, for pet owners, and, you know, I, I wanted to address that as well. You know, if you have an outdoor cat, which we prefer you wouldn't make it an outdoor cat, but if you do and that cat goes outdoors, that could be prey for a coyote. Um, also, a small dog. The larger dogs are more looked at as competitors and they're not apt to go after them, but a small dog, as you've seen on TV, they'll go after them. Right. So, you know, at nighttime, you don't want to leave them unattended. If you live near a wooded area, walking near a wooded area, it only takes a matter of seconds. Yeah. Yeah. But... You want to be on, on the side of caution. They don't want anything to do with you. They look at that as prey. As a human being, I, they just they don't want anything to do with you. Nothing. The, um, I saw an article, and it really was kind of a reminder, and I really don't recall all the details, but it has to do with Christmas trees. That's an item that goats? Yes, they eat 
they eat Christmas trees, and that's part of their nourishment, and that's good for them. Yeah. And but not other animals. Just goats seem to have an attraction for uh, for, for pine the, needles yes. or whatever. Interesting. Yes. And cer- certain other animals right. um, do prefer the pine yeah, trees. Yeah. Uh, red squirrels, they like the pines. There's pine nuts, um, but they all know what they like. Um, now, um, deers, is that an issue at all in Malden? Yeah, there's quite a few deers. They're um, in my yard. <laughs> yeah, they go, in, they go in your yard, of course, up by East Border in the Fells. Yeah. Again, Forestdale, Holy Cross, some of the wooded areas, but it's not uncommon to see them going through a neighborhood. But those aren't as prevalent um, during the daytime as you would think. You know what I mean? Early dusk, dawn, early evening. Now that it gets dark early, you might see them. But they're not as much. I, I, I think the big concern for people that we're noticing is the coyotes. Could I, the what? Coyotes. And oh, could yeah. I give my take on from the wildlife rehabilitator yeah. end of it? Yeah. I watch a lot of social media, and I, I try and uh, listen to what's going on and help one of the goals that we're hoping is by explaining the behavior of coyotes, certain you know, baby season versus mating season versus um, there's a time when the youngsters are like teenagers and they're finding their own territory. So there's different things happening different times of the year. There's a great fear of coyotes, and it's unfounded. Uh, one of the, the things you hear all the time, I just saw a coyote. Watch your kids. The, the coyote is not going to run out and grab your child. Uh, they don't even really bother with uh, many of our pets unless, like, like Kevin just said, the little ones, please don't walk them on a long flexi leash. That goes way out on a little tiny piece of rope. So the coyote's not even going to notice that. He's just going to notice it's a little dog out in the front, and he can grab it. Walk your dogs on a firm leash. Don't let them get too far ahead of you, especially at night or if you're walking in an area where you know that they are hanging out, out in the woods or different areas. Walk your dog next to you. Keep them on a sturdy, short leash. And they're not going to chance a human. They're afraid of us. So they really don't come up and snatch your dog if it's right by your side. It's when it's way ahead, especially on those flexi leash. You have no control over them. Uh, typically, what would be uh, uh, the average size of a, a, a coyote to oh. weight? I, I think about 50 pounds, oh, but yes, a hot body, yeah. 50 pounds. Well, so and again, there's misinformation. I will read, oh, my dog's 80 pounds, and it's bigger than my know, dog. No, it's you know, fur. I, I it's fur. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> we were chuckling a couple of weeks ago. I, I ran this by Linda. I actually got a phone call. But a woman says, I saw a baby coyote, and it looks hungry. Should I give it food? Give it your kid. No, no, <laughs> no, no. This is, and this it, is what you're dealing it, and with. That's and that's typically a, oh, a, oh, one oh. that has mange, and what happens is it loses its fur. So they mistake that because the fur makes them look a lot bigger than they are. Yeah. Same with foxes. The yeah. Foxes yeah. aren't much, are about the size of a large uh, cat. Yeah. How about roadkill? Do you have much of that in Malden? Yeah, there's a good, I would say a good amount. Um, what, what, typically, what would be a, a dog rather than any other? Uh, no, it, it's mostly wildlife. I'd oh. say raccoons, squirrels, skunks. Oh, squirrels, yeah. yeah. Those squirrels. Hawks, hawks, the hawks, the owls. Yeah. Uh, you know, people call about wildlife that gets killed on the side of the road. I know this sounds awful, but push it on the side of the road. 
so it doesn't go in the middle of the road, and they hit by cars, and they end up in our rehab centers. So by pushing roadkill, if you know there's no chance of saving them, they're deceased, push them on the side of the road or on the edge of woods, yeah. and yeah. they will be used for nourishment of wildlife. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a story told to me, uh, this was some time back, that uh, someone was, was a school bus driver with a, a van, and... Uh, not all them, not that it matters, but uh, in those days they didn't have seat belts in these vans. You could have kids in the sitting in the seats, but they wouldn't necessarily be belted in. And he, he was driving down a road, and it was more of a busy area, and uh, all of a sudden the duck started to walk across the, oh, yeah. the road, and his decision was, did he slam on the brakes to protect the ducks, or did he think of the kids? And of course the first priority would be the children on the yes. bus. He slammed on the, on the brakes, uh-huh. and... Uh, it ended up that he ran into the ducklings, and, went, and uh, when the story was told, it was, oh, the people said, oh, those poor ducklings, but in the reality, there was more priority given to the kids. But his, his point was that once he hit them, he said that was just like a pillow that's been opened up and thrown out. All the feathers were floating down into the sidewalk or into the street where he was driving through. But again, that's the kind of thing that uh, you make a decision with best interest of the of the safety of the who, who the pe- people rather than the animal. And the rule for wildlife rehabilitators is human life first. Uh, we must be yeah. careful climbing trees, climbing cliffs, climbing whatever, um, and, and going into situations where an animal may be sick. And that's that's when the mm-hmm. danger is. If a coyote or a fox or raccoons have something that has made them neurological and sick, that's when we have to yeah. exhibit great caution. Yeah. And it's always human life first. You do not put your own life in danger as much as we want to. Yeah. Uh, we do all we can to save them, but human life must always come first. Yeah. Do you sometimes get a dogs in a cast to rehab? Uh, no, my license is just only wild. for wildlife, yes. Oh, I see, okay. And um, there was an, um, an, a substantial increase in people when they were working remote the last couple of years of uh, getting ca- a companionship with animals, particularly dogs. And then they started to realize after a while when they went on vacation, they had to find a place to, to pay someone to care for the animal. Mm-hmm. They, when they were required to go back to work, that was an issue. Do you get many calls? Do you get calls for people wanting to give dogs up right. more we, than any other kind of we, animal? We don't operate a shelter, so what we do is we refer them to several rescue groups and shelters yeah. that are licensed and approved through the Commonwealth of Mass that will take the animals. But you have to initiate that. You know, you, you, you shouldn't just wait and for it to take its course. Make the calls. It's something that can't happen overnight. But if you make the calls and make planning for it, it could happen, yeah. and they'll do it. But uh, too many people to your opinion, well, we don't want this anymore. The shelter will take it. Well, it's be nice to let the shelter know that it's coming because they're all overloaded as it is there's i mean uh cats i mean we we have people that help us with stray cats and and things like that and we do a lot of tnr with with some agencies where they take stray cats and get them neutered and 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 spayed that way they can't reproduce and we know if that's put a big dent into it but again uh if spay and neuter is, is is a big part of the animal population. And there are programs out there to help. Um, no matter what your income is, they, they can work with you to hopefully get it done. So I encourage that as well. 
do you have uh, many calls for people who want to give up pets and they want they want yeah, to, but they think in the city will do you, you, Right, and that's what we do is we reach out to our partners uh, at these agencies and give them the, the contact info, and the agency will call us saying that we'd give the referral, and yes, we did, and they usually help them. That help has worked out pretty good, but I think part of the, the only problem is is it's not like, uh, well, I need it done by tomorrow. Well, you got to give us a little that's time. That's why they call yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, 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 going. <laughs> but I mean, nine times out of ten, people that plan ahead, it works out. And we, we find it a lot where somebody in a family has either passed on or, or has gone into a assisted living facility that had a cat or dog, and the family usually is pretty good about working with you, and we can make the arrangements to go in and, and get it out for you. Yeah. Do you get any calls for uh, lost animals, They're hoping that maybe you can find them for them? Yeah, we're looking for, there's one we're looking for right now that was missing out of Revere down by the Overlook Complex. But, uh, again, there are different agencies. Missing Dogs Mass is a good partner for us um, and, and social media, and, and, and Linda helps out with this, too, that we get it out there and people see this and they call the contact numbers. Sometimes it doesn't even involve us. They go right to Missing Dogs Mass, and the reunite, reuniting happens. But we are always monitoring that, absolutely. Yeah, because, of course, they have, they have those uh, human interest stories on TV, and it talks about the person that's been uh, reunited with a dog that from two years before. There was one recently, I think, they found the dog in Worcester, which was maybe uh, f from the Boston area. and. I didn't get the details of how the dog got there, but the dog obviously somehow ended up in Worcester, and whether someone took him down or, or the dog kept mo moving around, eventually they ended up there. But they they rec they matched them up with the people, which goes back maybe to chips. Or they well, that's yeah, one. Yeah, the, the, chips. The, the one the one advantage that we've had in recent years, as opposed to the old days, is the microchip. When you have a dog microchip, I have a scanning gun. I gave, I know uh, Linda has a scanning gun that we mm -hmm. had given to her. The kennel where we keep the dogs has a scanning gun. Most of the vets have them, so that's an automatic. And if we scan that chip and it says Ed Lucy, it's such, such a, we know who we got. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that also helps if the dog was stolen because people could steal your pet and then show up somewhere and they said, wait a minute, are you so-and-so? And... -so? and check your ID, this dog doesn't belong to you. And, but on the other side of that is, if the dog belongs to Ed Lucy and you give it to Kevin Hawkins, you gotta change that chip information because they'll think it belongs to Ed Lucy yes. and it belongs, you gave it to me. Yeah. So that happens, yeah, happens very often, often enough. Oh, they, yeah. don't, they don't update they the don't. chip. Do you know? they chip other do other kinds of animals? Oh yeah, cats. Uh, cats, dogs, mostly domestic. Mostly domestic yeah. Yeah, we don't chip on wildlife, although some birds and some some things may be banded, uh, but it's whales. It's not. They do, you know, you don't deal with whales. No, no. <laughs> um, and I'm going back to something you said, very interesting about the pandemic. People were working from home and not working, and we found everyone was discovering nature. We were full. People were bringing home babies constantly. One of the services we do provide is we help guide you through, is this an orphan or is it just a baby and mom ran out for a bite to eat because mom gets hungry too, and especially raccoons. Raccoons are uh, night creatures. So mom usually, before nighttime falls, 
when her babies are eyes open and starting to venture a little bit from the nest. They're excellent moms, but what they do is mom will run and scavenging garbage cans or wherever she needs food so she fills her belly so she can get back to the babies. Along comes people hiking. Oh, look at all these babies. we got to get them a home. And they load us up with babies. Oh. And many people, squirrels are another one. Oh, we reunite so many babies. Squirrels and raccoons have at least one or two alternate nests ready for emergencies. Give them a chance to get their babies. Raccoons, when they come back, they call their babies. And they look for days for their babies when they're kidnapped. Call a wildlife rehabilitator. Get some guides, some guidelines, suggestions on how to reunite the baby first. And that's all. Mom always has the best milk. I mean, she, she does the best job ever. So give us a chance to help you reunite them. Nothing makes me happier than someone saying, oh, that squirrel will never go back. The, Mom will never come back for the babies. And I say, give it a try. Give it a try. And I get a call, and they're almost crying excited, saying, oh, Mom came. It was the most beautiful thing. Mom came and got the babies. Yes, she did. So moms on most wildlife, if they are able to, they will take their babies. Uh, it's a myth that if you touch them, that she's going to kill them. No. Put them back. Just put them back. The, uh, how about animal bites? Do you get uh, that is a hazard of the job? Yeah, you know, a lot of times now we find out that a lot of animal bites are actually involving the person that owns the dog. Uh, for some reasons, uh, food aggression or whatever. But uh, we, you know, but that, do we get dog bites? Absolutely. Um, but the main thing there is is making sure the dog is up to date in his shots, where the dog resides. Um, the most complicated one is when you get bit by a dog and you don't know anything. That really doesn't help us because we're tasked with finding out where the dog is, and sometimes that's not that easy. But uh, most of the time, uh, people are pretty good. But I, I would say overall, dog bites are down from where they were years ago. But, yes, they absolutely still happen. Now, those bites would be within a family, as a, 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 someone connected to the dog as opposed to a stranger? Correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I had a, a, I'm aware of a situation that occurred where um, a baby got bitten by a, a dog, uh, which was a home pet. And um, I think what the, it, it really happened because the, the way the house was set up in the basement, there was a room where the baby played and the, the next room was the dog and the next room beyond that was the washer and dryer. And I think the child was uh, crawling towards the, into the, the one room was into another room, into a third room with a washer dryer. The father was there, and maybe he went by the food, and it ended up maybe the dog thought it, the baby. So he ended up he bit the baby in the in the head. Fortunately, it wasn't anything permanent. It was some stitching in that, which would be you know traumatic enough. But uh, it turns out the previous week, as it um, he also the dog, in, in the the mother of the child was feeding the dog out of her hand and he bit her hand hmm. the week before and someone had mentioned to me uh, one time that if you have an animal in that situation that does it bite you a couple of times particularly if there's blood drawn that can be a danger to to young children I don't know how accurate that is we, we usually what, what we do in cases like that I mean you, you want to have the dog evaluated by a trainer and uh, 
uh, but the, the mistake that some people make before they actually get the dog, you know, they, they, there's all kinds of things that you should go through, screenings, before you know this is a good fit for you. Some dogs are better with others. Some dogs are better with children. Some dogs are afraid of men. I mean, it's, it's, it's a known fact. Uh, we see it all the time. The more, for whatever reason, they could have been abused or whatever, and, uh, you know, when they come from the rescue, that they just see a guy and they, they, they fear up or they show aggression. But, uh, no, any, any case like that, and I, I, I would be concerned if, if he bit two members of a family in a short brief of time, that would be cause for concern, and you want to talk to somebody about getting a trainer or perhaps... Uh, you know, finding the dog another situation. Well, that's what they they, uh, they it got, but then that got complicated too. They, I think they finally were able to. Uh, uh, they thought they had someone that was um, uh, had other animals that was going to take the dog, but then that got to be a problem with competing with the other animals. But then, yeah. the last I heard was the source. Uh, there was another source that surfaced that was an option, and of course, initially the concern was that they'd have to put the dog down. They only had the dog a sh relatively short time, and maybe that was another fact. I don't, you but know. The, you know, the other part of... It uh, wasn't in Malden, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the other part of bites, so Ed, that, that's important, and, you know, we said that sometimes we, that we do see a lot of uh, is is dog on dog. So if you're walking your dog and somebody else is walking their dog and you're not quite sure because some dogs have dog aggression, not people, they're fine with people, but other dogs, they have aggression. You, you don't wanna let them get intertwined because they could, it could cause a problem. And uh, you know, even if they're leashed, you wanna make sure that your dog is dog friendly. We run into this at some of the dog parks where people, oh, my dog's okay, and next thing you know, ends up attacking another dog. That's not good either. We try not, don't wanna see that happen. One thing that I think is, and of course, like we're talking mostly about dogs and cats, but what you're dealing with, Linda, is a lot of the same pets that uh, people have. They have exotic pets that they have uh, for, uh, for reasons that seem to be, uh, uh, there was one on, I keep bringing it up about television, there was a woman on that had a parrot. Mm -hmm. And the parrot, get open, they opened the door, the parrot, it was on television, and, and the, uh, it was in England, actually. And the woman was uh, out hauling around for the for the parrot, and, and the interesting thing, he, he, the, the parrot had been trained probably maybe as a joke to use the f bomb. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was kind of a, a funny story, but they were reunited, which is the point of the story. And as far as wildlife is concerned, it is illegal for you to raise them in your home. Uh, many of us take on one or two cases a year. Uh, we, we have one right now who just took in a squirrel that people think they can raise them and we'll just throw a bunch of nuts and peanuts and blah, blah, blah. No, they have very specific dietary needs. You raise them at home, it may be alive and you may think that animal's okay, but their bones, they get metabolic bone disease from not having the proper nutrients and you send them out and they have an awful end. They, they can't survive out there. Their bones are not strong enough. Always get them to a rehabilitator. Make sure they're options. Yeah. And feel free to call a rehabilitator just for uh, some knowledge. Same with the coyotes. If you explain to people what's going on, what to do, and that they really, a, a healthy coyote is zero danger. You have more danger walking through a dog park than than walking by coyotes. They don't want to bother us. But if you learn about them, 
what's going on at different seasons, why they change their behavior, they're okay. Same with squirrels. People, Some people don't like them, but once you get to know them, they're responsible for much of the reforestation. They all have important places. If you learn about the animal, why they're doing what, they can, what they're doing, they're, they're fun to watch, mm-hmm. But they're in the wild. Leave and, them in the and wild. And one of the one of the handouts that I believe they're going to give out this night is, uh, believe it or not, one of the benefits about coyotes is is they cut down on the rodent population, mm-hmm. big time. Um, well, getting back to the squirrels, are you telling me they're not rats with tails? No, they are not. <laughs> I raise quite a few. I have a couple of incubators. I raise babies. Um, they are incredible if you watch them. Um, you've seen my yard. <laughs> they, they all get along. They all have their jobs to do. And, and they're, they're really uh, very helpful creatures. It's find Once you learn about them, why they're doing what they do and what's going on, they're really fun to watch from a distance. Watch them. And I think if people learn more, I try and put my post when I see the coyote post. Hi, I just saw a coyote. Don't take your kids and dogs out for a walk. Well, actually, you can. It's just learning the behavior. I've had people say, well, uh, there was a coyote walking across the street, and it didn't care because it, it was going to come after me. Well, it, it knew you were there. But it's across the street walking, minding its own business. If you ran and screamed at it, it would have run. But the fact is that coyote knows that you can't harm it. It's across the street, walking a little bit away. He knows he can outrun you any day. So it's not that bold. It's they don't care. It's like I'm just walking down the street. She's just walking down the street. There's not a problem. So that's their attitude. They're just walking down the street. So when we explain the behavior, and then it's not running, hide your babies, hide your dogs. It's safety. Dogs on short leashes. Cats indoors. They don't go running after babies. They're not interested. They really aren't. They're interested in the rodents, squirrels, unfortunately, because I raised them. But they, they eat squirrels. They eat a lot of bunnies. Bunnies are a, a big part of their diet. So just leave them alone. Let them do their job. The raptors, they all eat, many of them eat rats and mice. And anyone who puts down rodenticide, those rats are going to eat the rodenticide, die out there, and a dog, a cat, or wildlife is going to eat that, and they're going to get sick, and many die. Many end up in our clinic because they've eaten that poison is an anticoagulant, and the, any, the, the animal that eats it is laying there dead. I picked them up on my walks with my dog, put them in a plastic bag, and brought them to be incinerated. There's no place for that. One thing we, one group we haven't talked about much are those rabbits. <laughs> well, there was another one I thought you were going to bring up. Well, but we, 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 you want to do yours first? Uh, yeah, we'll do mine first. <laughs> and, and that's, of course, is another one that people call on quite often, and that's the wild turkeys. <laughs> really? Yes. I, I have, a I have pictures. They came oh, back. Got a lot of them they just them? went in my, I, was just, I went to leave. I haven't <laughs> seen them in two months. I had 30 of them in my yard. They usually <laughs> migrate. And they, they're they, aggressive. Uh, yeah, but you know what? If you leave them alone, they just go and do their thing. They, uh, 
some cities and towns, they've been known to block traffic. We haven't had that that much here. Yeah. We did have one recently that we took care of down by the high school that did get struck by a car and did not make it. No. We transported that and got it humanely euthanized. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, again, these aren't animals that you can say, I'm going to cage them up and take them somewhere. They, it, it, again, the... We might even talk about a little bit of this at the forum because I think people are misled on that as well. These are, are birds that are not, you're not going to wipe the population out. No. Forget it. And mm -hmm. as far as they are also easily habituated. So if someone is constantly honking their horn, they get used to that. And they, they do go after cars. Leave them to be wild. You can, you know, run close to them, scream, raise your hands, make yourself big. They will they'll run away from you. But if you keep feeding them, if you uh, let them, if you run away, if a turkey comes at you and you run away, it's having fun. It's winning. You turn around and you start chasing that turkey and you watch what's going to happen. It's going to stop. I saw it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to watch out for their legs. They have little spurs yeah. on them. Don't let them come yeah. at you with their legs showing. But um, they will run. It's just that people are scared and they run, and they're running the wrong way. You run at them. Yeah. And how about rabbits? Now, we get to talk about rabbits. You, that's, a, that's a pet that people like to have. They dump oh, them. Oh, domestic pet one well, domestic. Right they, after Easter yeah. time, we'll get a call for a few bunnies, yeah. I'm sure. And, the, and what is it? People want to get rid of them after they yep. run tight them. them out and, and they will not survive. They do not survive. Domestic animals that are fed inside, they're domesticated animals. They do not know how to survive, whether it's a reptile, snake, birds, bunnies. But believe it or not, there is a couple of bunny ladies that will take them. Yes. So we, we have an yes. in there. Too. I just found a new <laughs> found one a couple <laughs> of months ago. Yeah, well, actually... Um, uh, the life expectancy of rabbits is relatively short, isn't it? I don't know on domesticated, but wild wild bunnies, they are the low man on the totem pole. Almost everything can survive on bunnies. And I, as a rehabber, I get called quite often. Or people will say to me, can't you come get rid of these bunnies? We have too many. And I say, give it a couple of months. The babies are getting big. They're going to be released. And, and they'll... That's what they eat. Yeah. That's what the coyotes are looking for. Some of the raptors, yeah. they, that's the bunny. They eat the bunnies. So you're going to have situations where you have almost no bunnies. Where's the bunnies? What happens to bunnies? Then you say, look at all the bunnies. They're everywhere. It, it goes seasonal. Yeah, because I, um, I had them in my yard. And I didn't even they're Thank not you. tagged, so I have no idea if it was one or more than one. They all look alike, but <laughs> uh, uh, I haven't seen them at all recently. So whether they they're hiding, it's uh, getting winter. They they hide under thorn bushes. And I see, maybe yeah. So you won't see them as I don't much. Think we have any coyotes where I live. They <laughs> well, we'll have to send one down. Oh, but <laughs> I, I have coyotes on my. I have wildlife cams, and you see the coyotes. Yeah, well, send, send but I see a bunny running by and hiding. Yeah, well, <laughs> and send, I laugh. One, send one with a computer chip. So <laughs> <laughs> but another thing is. Uh, separate from what your situation, you mentioned about uh, you have a, a source to, uh, to take care of animal strays or cap or whatever. But people that have animals sometimes don't realize that 
the heavy burden of expenses if they have if they have an animal with needs of attention. Oh, that's oh. quite a bit. We of money. pay for everything. Um, it is entirely volunteer. Really, we volunteer our time. We pay for all our own supplies. Formulas are very expensive. Uh, you know, baby blankets. I go through tons of those and towels and things like that. We go through. Um, when you raise squirrels, they believe it or not are raised a lot on vegetables so you know we're always looking for vegetables and fruits and woodchucks you get one of those and boy you can't have enough vegetables for them that's what yeah. they eat but we pay for all of this ourselves and our supplies and our continuing education and, and how do you generate uh, fundraising do you have just word of mouth or do you have great fundraisers we there's fundraisers i know personally i'm with cape ann wildlife and they are registered um a nonprofit. so you know people can donate through cape ann wildlife they have links on their facebook pages um in different stories we put out we do fundraisers um on the animals we have there's uh some people will put out some amazon lists they can uh, donate that way so they can donate money they can some people will bring in the animal and they'll leave um you know 20 or 30 which is always kind of nice to help we're always thankful but we do not charge for it in fact it's illegal to charge for it and we are always very grateful even for five dollars or ten dollars because cumulatively it will help us but we spend quite a bit of money out of pocket and we don't, and, you know, being a city agent, we, we obviously can't take donations, but what we do is we refer them to rehabbers, Animal yeah. Rescue League, things like that, because we cannot take monetary uh, donations. Yeah, and uh, I don't know about currently, but I think sometimes in the past, small towns would not have a full-time animal control officer, and uh, part of their income would be predicated on roadkill, for instance. And... It would end up as it when there'd be an investigation because they would take an animal that, that were already dead and laid them on the on the highway, and that way they'd shovel them up, and then they'd, they'd get the local mm. fee. Mm. None of that bothered, no, of course, we, right? We, I yeah. haven't heard of any. No, <laughs> no. No. Well, maybe that's a food for thought, right? I, I would raise a stink. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, well, so someone has a, an animal. Let's say uh, the only one you have to license, apparently that. Uh, uh, is a dog, that's mm. required a dog. Yeah. Uh, locally, uh, 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 there must be a standard fee for registering a dog. Yeah, I believe the fee now here in Mall, I believe, is uh, um, uh, $15. There is a little clause if it's spay or neutered, and that's handled by uh, the city clerk's office. They it, they do all the licensing. They do, and, and uh, that's an annual fee? Annual fee. And uh, there used to be a, 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 an animal, a veterinarian used to do some some things with animals for people. They, do they have a city have someone that they use in that for purposes of just... Was that Marlon? Yeah, years ago. Was that Dr. Archer or Dr. Hall? Probably Archer, yeah. Archer up on Main Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no. No, what, what they used to do is, uh, which, which we brought back after the pandemic was... Uh, used to run the Real Good Rabies Clinic. Now, mm. we do that again every April. And uh, to our time, we had over 100 people. So they offer them a dis uh, the city sponsors it. The fee goes to the vet. But I believe you get your rabies vaccination. I think we upped it to $15. So well, when you say the, the rabies, you're, in, you're, you're uh, 
you're dealing with in, injecting the dogs, not the people, right? Right, right. <laughs> Although, no, I mean, I'm vaccinated for rabies. I'm vaccinated for rabies. Well, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, I mean, uh, but it, what, it, what that does is gives not only residents an incentive to do it, it gives it to them at a cost because the vets, are, like you said, are expensive. $15 for a rabies shot is very reasonable. And a lot of times uh, people, we see a lot of repeat people coming back to the clinic. But we try to do some other PR things. Uh, ice cream uh, truck. Yeah, we, uh, we, this summer uh, we, I had the ice cream, dog ice cream truck up at yep. Pine Banks. And we had it there for two hours, and we had 90-something dogs come to and get a free ice cream yep. for dogs. Is that, good? <laughs> Is that good for them? Yeah, well, yes. this this particular homemade. one, yeah, it's homemade. Yeah. It's it's for the dogs. Yeah. We we got the idea from Chronicle. In a cone or a paper cup? Well, it's in a little cup. But uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna fun. probably do it again this summer. It was, it was a lot fun. of fun, and and uh, you know it, you know one thing about the, this particular job I enjoy the most is is I, you know me I was always kind of a PR guy, and I I kind of like that thing. You you got to show interest in the community, and they'll they'll work with you. If you don't, well, then you're up against it. So I try to do my best to offer residents things like the things we're doing. And even with the coyotes, it shows that the city has an interest. And I have the back end of the administration, the chief. And, you know, it's just good for our residents. Whereas some communities, I can't speak for any of them, but I really haven't heard much on the coyote front that the, but this is a way. That's why I want non-residents. You don't live in Malden, you're more than welcome to come. I want you to know what you need to do. You mentioned uh, you've been doing this for almost 25 years, mm -hmm. and the city certainly has got far more diversified now than it was with, at the time that you uh, first started. Mm -hmm. Do you find this the biggest problem, or a problem, is that sometimes new residents that who uh, accumulate pets don't know the rules, and therefore the problem is once you can educate them, they'll, they'll at least abide by the rules, but they don't realize, number one, that you have to... Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Register the dog. Number two, well, easily you just can't. Some as as in the past, people would just let the dog uh, put him in the car and right. drop him off somewhere and let someone else to deal with it. We find it's you know the the some of the cultural differences, but again, you know we have uh, myself um, uh, with my approach. We have some um, Asian speaking offices and and Portuguese speaking offices if we we have to uh, deal with that and. They really, uh, the residents have been very cooperative. I find you work with them, you go up, you give them the time, and when you go back to reinspect, it's done. I can't ask for any more than that. I mean, because simply, like you said, some people just don't know. And I, I can't fault them for that. I'm yeah. sure it would be different if I went where they, where they came from. It's, you know, it's, 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 you know, so you try to do the best you can. That's, that's where the animals at the dinner for the next day. Well, bad, he did have that joke. turkey. No, just before Thanksgiving one year, he called me. It was a domestic oh, turkey. A domestic Must turkey. have escaped from someone's garage. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I brought it to a sanctuary, so it oh, got yeah, clemency. I was right down on Sailor yeah, Street. Yeah, they ran into a building down there, and we oh, ended up cornering it. And <laughs> we've, we've had, like I said, we've had uh, quite a quite a bit. You know, and uh, in the rabies clinic, it, we, one year we had a few ferrets come in for rabies. Some, that was cute. Yeah, a few what? Ferrets. ferrets. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes they sense. need babies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So not just cats and dogs. Yeah. Well, and, and then there's one other thing I'm just going to ask you. For those of you who don't recognize Kevin, uh, do you still play Santa Claus? I just finished uh, up. I just, 
Yeah, I was yep. up at uh, at Pine Banks and, and a few other spots. Yeah, I did between Thanksgiving and Christmas about twenty different. Appearances. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I, and, and um, so you, if you don't recognize Kevin, <laughs> it may be because he had a Santa Claus uniform on when he came to your door, but your cat or dog. I used <laughs> to love the show we did right here where people, kids used to call in. Remember? Yeah. We, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> they say the darndest yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you said you accept donations of ones that, well, well, if someone were that's watching the show were, were interested in doing something in the form of a donation, what would they use as an address or an um, email? Well, we don't really give out our addresses. We give out Cape Man Wildlife. Um, you can always uh, get my phone number. Oh, let me give you a business card. So you can put that out there. Uh, I do have a Venmo. People can uh, donate direct, well, that's the one I, uh, direct to me through Venmo. Yeah, um, well, and what is that? Venmo is uh, so it's on uh, social media. It's on your your smartphones. Oh, they could. And it's an application. Um, I I use it quite often for my um, my wildlife because people donate and it goes into there. And when I purchase things for the animals, I use that account. So it works out well. So they. If they put their phone on that barcode, see that barcode there? People put their phone on there and read the barcode, and it'll bring you up to the address, and people can just, if they have a Venmo account, they just... Uh, and how would they there. get your barcode? Right there. On his card. Yeah, but if they didn't have your card? Uh, they can call Kevin and get my phone number. Uh, okay. You can text me. I don't answer... I don't answer all calls I'd like to, but there's just so many during busy season we are nonstop. But they can text me at 617-605-2965 with your question. And, you know, I always try and get back. I do a lot of my work is done guiding people via the phone on what they can do if they have an animal they're concerned about, they want to discourage someone from building the nest places, they have babies, what do I do? So I do a lot of that, and that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited about this program with coyotes coming up. There'll be a lot of, if you understand that they're not the scary demons everyone makes them out for, you don't, the most important thing people need to know is when to post and call about coyotes. A coyote walking down the street, nothing. If it's stumbling, if it's foaming at the mouth, has discharge coming from eyes, nose, mouth, drooling, staggering, aggressive behavior, you call. You can call Mass Wildlife. And on that note, we're going to end the program. And Great. for anybody that <laughs> wants to contact Linda and you don't have the number she just mentioned, contact Kevin. There you go. <laughs> Thanks okay. very much. and I enjoyed your coming, and I appreciate it. Kevin, Linda. Thanks for Thank having us. Thank you for having us.